Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 163. Should your podcast be audio or video? Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting, where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. Audio versus video is a big issue in the podcasting space. Should you start an audio podcast or should you start a video podcast? If you're currently podcasting, should you upgrade to video or should you stay in audio? And this topic was inspired by a message I received from Steve Hart. He emailed feedback at theaudacitypodcast.com and he said, Hi, Daniel, do you know of any research that helps establish if people prefer video podcasts over audio-only podcasts? My feeling is that people are more likely to listen than watch, particularly if the video only features talking heads. Would be interested to see any stats or research into this area. And that's from Steve Hart at stevehart.co. Thank you so much, Steve, for sending in that question. And I did correspond directly with Steve through email in response to his uh, question. But for actual research, sure, Edison Research has found some things where most people are listening to typically audio podcasts, but there are also, when you look at the podcast catalogs out there, you'll see audio podcasts are the dominant podcasts out there in the industry. This may be somewhat of a choice. This may be an indication of what's actually more popular, not just the popular choice for the production aspect. But this got me to thinking of sharing with you the benefits and disadvantages for either audio or video. And this is for your entire show. I'm not talking about just a special thing here or there, but your entire podcast, your entire collection of episodes, whether you should switch to one format or the other, or if you're looking to start your podcast, which format should you choose? Now, one thing I am leaving out of this list is enhanced AAC podcasts. This is a quickly dying format, and it's very limited in compatibility, and I really think that it has very few practical needs that can't already be met with effective show notes on your website. And I've done a whole episode before about how to have effective show notes, and you can get that link in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 163. But if you're looking to launch your podcast or looking at a format change, consider these several advantages and disadvantages first to both audio and video. So let's start with the audio benefits. I've got five benefits to share with you. Number one, audio is widely consumable. This is, I think, the most powerful thing about audio podcasting is how easy it is to consume the podcast in just about any environment. You can listen to a podcast while you're cooking, while you're driving, while you're playing video games, while you're mowing the yard, even while you're at work at your desk. You can put on some headphones, depending on if your office allows it, and listen to a podcast. It's very easy to listen to one thing while you're doing another. Now, this doesn't mean that you can always do this because clearly some work requires more of your attention, like writing things or reading things. 
you probably can't listen to a podcast while reading something else or while writing something else. But some of the more mindless activities, like maybe simple cut, copy, paste activities that you might have as part of your work, or while designing stuff, I would frequently listen to audio podcasts and still do while I'm writing CSS and HTML because that kind of stuff is very natural to me. I don't have to think very hard about it, not like writing an email. If I start writing an email or reading email, that's when I have to stop listening to the podcast. But podcasts are widely consumable. That's number one. Number two, audio gives you the ability to produce high quality for very low cost. The Here it comes. Audio-Technica ATR2100 USB microphone is only $50 and it produces acceptable audio quality for any audio podcast out there. Although I would say that if you are looking at making a business podcast and you want to really grow your audience and sound the best, Skip the ATR2100 and don't get the Heil PR40 either. Get the ElectroVoice RE320 or its bigger brother, the RE20. And I have videos about those and you can check those out in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 163. But the ATR2100 USB is a great microphone for only $50. It can plug directly into your computer, so you don't need lots of other equipment. You could even get an adapter for this that would allow you to plug it into many different kinds of mobile devices out there, so you could record even without a computer. So for essentially $50, you can launch an audio podcast that sounds great and not have to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars to have a great podcast and to rival podcasts out there from services like Blog Talk Radio. So that's number two, high quality for low cost. Number three, audio gives you easy production. If you can cut, copy, paste, and delete text on your computer, like in a word processor or writing an email, then you can edit audio because it's the same kind of setup, the same tools that you'll be using, cutting things, copying things, moving things around, deleting things. And in audio, it's very easy to remove certain sections that you don't want or clean up certain pieces of dialogue like an awkward pause or um, maybe you said um, a little bit um, too much. It's very easy to clean those things up and quite frequently do so without leaving any kind of noticeable sign of editing because you can't see the audio track. Even if you could, it might look like nothing is missing whatsoever. And when the person hears it, they might just hear a smooth dialogue with no awkward pauses and it will sound great. Yes, some words are harder to remove than others because if I'm talking, I say, um, and I keep on talking, that um that I just said will be much, much harder to remove or impossible to remove without making it sound weird. But then that might be a case where you don't have to remove it. But if I um, give an um like that, where it's very prominent and it's standalone, that's very easy to remove without your noticing it. So that's number three, easy production. Number four, audio is a popular choice. I looked at the top 100 podcasts in iTunes, and this is as of March 3rd, 2014. And the top 100 changes, and every time actually that I clicked through the 100 podcasts to check what their formats were, I come back and the order was slightly different. So this number will change a little bit, but still, this number is pretty consistent with the way it's been for the last couple years. Of the top 100 podcasts in iTunes, all categories, 
all formats. This day, when I counted them, six were video. And actually, a couple of them had both the audio and the video, and the audio edition was even higher than the video edition. And those video podcasts that were available at this time were from obviously video producers like NBC, yeah, the news channel, or uh, CBS or CNBC, these different news organizations. There was also the TED Talks available in podcast format, but the audio edition of the TED Talks was much higher than the high-definition video edition. Even Leo Laporte's audio edition shows up in the top 100, but his video edition doesn't show up at all if he's even still releasing his video recordings of his podcasts in iTunes. So this alone doesn't mean that this is the better choice. It just means it's the popular choice. It doesn't even mean that audio formats are more popular than video, as in people prefer audio over video. But when you look at some of these other factors of the benefits of audio podcasting over video, you'll see that it's very easy to understand that people would probably prefer audio over video because it's easier for them to consume. And there are many, many other audio podcasts out there. So it's not unfamiliar for people to listen to a podcast like tuning in and listening to a radio show. But there are other sides of this that you could consider, well, since the market is primarily audio, maybe that's a chance for your video to stand out. The thing is, when I looked at iTunes and I looked at all of these podcasts in iTunes, every method that I could use to try and automate this process so I didn't actually have to click on every single video, every method, even the secret methods I know, couldn't show me just from a list what was audio and what was video. Some of them, though, did have the title that said video in the title, and that was helpful. But I had to actually click through to see what was audio and what was video. So if you had a video podcast, it would not stick out any more from the top 100 of audio podcasts simply because it's a video podcast. That wouldn't make it stick out at all. So just because it's the popular choice doesn't mean audio is the best choice, but it is something still to consider. That's number four. Number five... Audio is supported by all the podcast apps and directories out there. Even devices that aren't typically podcast playing devices support MP3 with no problem whatsoever. Even old flip phones support this. My wife has essentially a flip phone. It's a newer model, but it it can't play video. It's only about a year or two old. It can't play MP4 video but it can play MP3s. I have old flip phones that I've used, even an old BlackBerry from a couple years ago, and those devices can play MP3 files, transferring the files back and forth. Yes, that might be a trouble, but they can play that. You can put MP3 files onto an audio disc and play that in a car, either burn it as an audio disc, uh, actual audio CD, or burn it as a CD with MP3s, like one of my listeners does something like that and plays them in the car on their MP3-recognizing CD player in their car, and that's becoming more and more popular for CD players to do that. And all of these things support the MP3 format. And all of the podcast apps out there support audio, but some of them don't support video at all. Like the popular ones, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio support only audio shows, not video. So having an audio podcast means that you can get in 
basically any podcast directory that's out there and any podcast app that's out there. And this does seem like a trend that more and more apps are coming out that are focusing on only the audio, not the video. If Pandora ever brought talk content into Pandora Radio, then it would be audio only. And that would be a huge potential for building an audience instead of trying to be in video and not reaching that potential audience. So these five benefits for audio are, number one, widely consumable. Number two, high quality for low cost. Number three, easy production. Number four, popular choice. And number five, supported by all podcast apps and directories. Now the dark side of this, the disadvantages to audio. Number one, it's difficult to share. It's really hard to make audio content go viral. There are some media hosts like SoundCloud and Audioboo who have partnered with Twitter and Facebook so that if you put in a specific link that they'll give you or the direct link to your SoundCloud or Audioboo hosted media file, that Twitter and Facebook and certain apps and websites will automatically embed a media player for that episode. So that makes it easier for people to just click play on the episode. But that means you have to be using that hosted version of your audio, not the hosted version that you prefer that has your stats. But aside from these couple exceptions, and I think SoundCloud is making the largest uh, movement in this space for trying to make audio more social and more shareable. But except from aside from these couple exceptions, audio is far less common for people to share it and embed it. Even when you think about music out there that people want to share, what are people typically sharing? The YouTube videos, which are music videos. Just think about think about songs like Friday or I like Chinese food, or what does the fox say? These kinds of videos that are you know, either terrible songs or hilarious songs are spreading because of their YouTube videos, not because of the audio alone. There are many, many bad songs out there, but they haven't been released in video format, and they're not as shareable because they're in audio only. So that's one disadvantage to audio. Number two, audio is also uh, less accessible or completely inaccessible for hearing impaired out there who do like to consume podcasts. So don't just assume that, oh, you have a podcast, so no one who is hearing impaired will even dare to listen to it. That's a bad assumption, really. There are many people who are either hearing or visually impaired. And there are ways to work around this with your podcast. If you do an audio-only podcast you aren't accessible at all from your audio for the hearing impaired, but you could either have your episode transcribed, which I don't really recommend because a lot of stuff goes into a transcription that you just don't need to put out there in writing. I'm not saying bad stuff. It's just unnecessary. It's fluff. It, it's not, not many people want to read a conversation. They want to read content. So instead, I recommend you write thorough show notes. And again, I've done a video about this in the past that you can get the link to that at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 163 for the show notes for this episode. So you can work around this, but still it takes a lot more work and recognize that your podcast content will be completely inaccessible to the hearing impaired. 
That's number two. Number three, visual subjects don't communicate well in audio format. Try to review something like a painting or describe some beautiful scene you're looking at or train someone on software or hardware in just audio. These are all possible to do, but you have to be really good at communicating and describing things, and they take a lot more time to describe than simply showing them something. This is why nearly all of my one-on-one consulting sessions involve video in some way, either a webcam or a screen share, because it's so much more effective use of our time if I just point them to the right spot and I say, see this button right here? Click that and that will do what you need. Or go to this menu, select the option for extract and you'll be able to do this. Here's how you set this up. It's so much easier to do that when I'm describing it with the video. But if I can only describe it in audio, it's very difficult to communicate that. And I really don't like having audio-only one-on-one consulting sessions because we end up spending a lot more time just communicating what it is that they're supposed to do or what they're supposed to be seeing. So if you schedule one-on-one consulting with me, and I would love to work with you to help you launch or improve your podcast, check out theaudacitypodcast.com slash consulting, or the link is in the show notes for this episode then we will be having an online meeting where I can share my screen or activate my webcam and show you the stuff I'm talking about. But in an audio podcast, trying to describe these things doesn't work well. Look at some of the past episodes that I've done where I've had to describe things and how much longer it took me to describe where something was or how to do something than for you to just see it. Even if you were to hear me describe something complicated, like how to set up your mixer for Mix Minus with Skype. You would probably hear it, and the best way for you to be able to work through it with me as I describe it is you would probably have to get your mixer or look at a picture of a mixer and be able to follow along. So what are you doing? You're taking my audio content and having to translate it into something visual in order to understand it. And for me, even though I'm very familiar with setting up Mix Minus, I would still prefer to look at a mixer, either my mixer or a picture of someone else's mixer, to be able to describe this knob, the red knob, turn this up, and point things out very specifically instead of trying to describe everything without any visual aid. So that's number three. Visual subjects don't communicate well. Number four, audio doesn't engage well on YouTube. And the reason I'm splitting this out and highlighting YouTube like this is that YouTube is Well, it's two things. It's a massive social network because you can subscribe to people, you can follow people, you can friend people, you can message people, you can comment and respond to comments. So it is a social network, I think. And it's a search engine of its own. Many people will go to YouTube to search for something even before they go to Google for searching for it. So yes, it's possible for you to hack the system and publish your audio on YouTube with just your cover art or a slide presentation. And you may say, hey, look, this video got 10,000 views. That's proof that just publishing my audio with a slideshow on YouTube works really well and helps me grow my audience. But it's really ineffective. It's like trying to feed a starving person with just a small piece of bread. 
That's not going to feed them. They need more than just that tiny piece of bread. And that's what YouTube is like. You're just feeding this starving system with this tiny piece of bread if you're giving it audio only and just hacking the system by putting some slides up on the screen. If you really want to know the truth behind your statistics, look at not your view numbers, but look at how much of the video was watched. And you'll probably see significant drop-off that your video isn't being consumed in its entirety because people go to YouTube to watch videos, not to listen to content. So you could be turning away a potential audience. So if you are using YouTube, audio-only podcasts don't engage well on YouTube. So the four disadvantages to audio are it's difficult to share. Number two, low accessibility for hearing impaired. Number three, visual subjects don't communicate well. And number four, doesn't engage well on YouTube. So maybe you decide, okay, with these things in mind, the benefits, the disadvantages, I think I'll do video instead. Well, there are some great benefits to doing video. I've got seven benefits to doing video. And don't let the number alone convince you. Just because there are more benefits, at least in my list, to doing video than audio doesn't mean there are more benefits to doing video than audio. These benefits may be completely irrelevant to you, your content, and your audience. So you need to consider these things carefully and make your own decision. But so seven benefits for video. Number one, prominent media players. When you go to a website and you see an embedded video on that website, you know what to do with that video. You see a very prominent play button. You know what to expect a little bit. You even get to see a little bit of what that video looks like, or you get to see a nice big image that compels you to click on that play button for the video. And it's often more compelling for you to click play on a video than to scroll down and read the content that might be the exact same content, maybe a transcription, maybe the bullet points, whatever, but the video is much more compelling and engaging. So the video player is more prominent. This is a problem that can be fixed in audio podcasting, but at this time, the solution doesn't exist. But later, solutions will exist that will make audio podcasting players more prominent. Hint, hint. So number one, Video has more prominent media players, and people know what to do with a video player. Number two, it's easy to communicate visual subjects in in video. Instead of spending a lot of time describing something so that you can discuss it, video allows you to simply show it and then tell, show and tell. It's in video. You can just show the thing and then discuss it. You don't have to describe it in all kinds of detail. You can just hold up that painting and then start discussing it or point out something and say what to do with that thing. Now, I do recommend being more specific in your videos than just saying, click here, click on this, click on that, move that over there. Give it a little bit more context, be a little bit more specific and descriptive. But you don't have to be explicitly descriptive, like saying, in the upper right corner, just to the left of the logo, are two red and white RCA inputs. Actually, there are four total, but there are two white ones and two red ones. And the ones on the right say output just below them. 
that's where you need to plug them into. Now, not the ones that are farther to the left, to the left of the headphone jack, but the ones that are above the headphone jack, just directly above there. It says output underneath of them and the ones to the left say input. They're the ones on the right that you need. See, I just described something in excessive detail that I could just show you in a picture and say, use the RCA outputs here on the right, right here on your mixer. And it's so much easier to explain but I'm also not just saying plug these inputs into here. So still be specific, but you don't have to be as explicitly explicitly descriptive in video. So it's easy to communicate these visual subjects. A picture is worth a thousand words. And if you can show something visually, that may save you from having to speak a thousand words in order to describe it. Number three, on-screen aids help accessibility. Video also makes things like your email address or your web address or certain textual information very, very easy to communicate. Because see, in audio, I have to say, email me feedback at theaudacitypodcast.com and call me at 903-231-2221 or visit the website theaudacitypodcast.com. So I've given a whole paragraph there, but what I could do instead is in video, I could just say, I would love to hear from you, so please contact me with your questions. And then on the screen, it displays my email address, my phone number, my web address, whatever information I want it to show on the screen thus saving me from having to speak that information, thus making it even more accessible too, because the spelling might not be as clear to you. Like if I have a hard to spell name or hard to understand how I'm pronouncing it, you can very clearly see, oh, that's how it's spelled. I received a voicemail, actually a couple of voicemails from someone who wanted me to respond to them, but they didn't give me their email address. They gave me their Twitter account, and they didn't spell it. They said their name, but I cannot tell how to spell their name at all. So I can't, I can't respond to them because I, I just can't figure out how to spell their name. Every spelling I've tried was not them. So if they just spelled it, that would have been easier. But see, that means having to give more information speaking it. Whereas in video, you could just display that on the screen. This also gives you more flexibility for things like commentary, corrections, footnotes, and much more because you can skip being so specific in your video when you are speaking and instead display that on the screen. For example, maybe your website address changes. So instead of your having to go back and edit where you said that web address, I don't necessarily recommend you even consider doing this, but if you had to, you could, instead of saying, visit me at theaudacitypodcast.com, you could say, visit my website. And then on the screen, it displays the website address. So then if you need to fix it, you can go back and change that web address and re-export the video. Or on YouTube, you can do things like annotations so that when that web address displays on the screen, you can have a little annotation that says, this web address has changed. It's now such and such. You can also have certain footnotes too and corrections in your video. Like I did a video about how to get your podcast cover art in the three places it needs to be. Now that number is actually four. But in that video, I held up an iPad and I described something about how the Apple podcast app displays cover art on a retina iPad. Not too long after I released that video, Apple then updated the app. 
I don't know that was because of my video, but they updated the app. And so some of the information in my video changed. So all I had to do is go back and add a little annotation just to say, since version such and such, this is now changed to this. That way the video still communicates very well and it's not missing that extra little information or that correction. So I've been able to do that because it's video with the on-screen aids. That's number three. Number four, video is more engaging. We're humans and we relate with other humans. Showing your face in video allows your audience to get to know you a little bit better than just hearing your voice because they can see your expressions, read your emotions. They get to learn how to recognize your appearance and your mannerisms and your style. And so when you go to a conference, they might recognize you a lot more readily because they've seen your face instead of they're having to walk around with their eyes closed just listening to people's voices thinking, oh, that voice is familiar. Where, where is it? Who, whose voice did I hear? Who is the actual podcaster there? This actually happened at the Consumer Electronics Show that I interviewed someone during our live coverage of CES, and that was over at tpn.tv if you want to check that out. But I was speaking with someone, and after we finished the interview and they got off set, I had a brief break in the live stream and the guest came over to me and she asked, do you also host a once upon a time podcast? And I said, yeah, I do. Do you listen to it? And she said, yes, I knew your voice sounded familiar. See, she didn't recognize me from looking at me because she only listens to the podcast, but she recognized my voice. Well, if we did a video all the time, she would have instantly recognized me if she was watching the video. So it is a bit more engaging than, uh, than just audio. Now, let me give you a side tip here. If you're doing video, unless you're doing drama or interviews, I suggest that the subject in the video, the person, always looks directly into the camera or very close to it. Now, if you have two people that are talking with each other, they don't both have to be glued to the camera. They can look at each other. But if you're ever going to look at anything other than what's on the screen, Make it that you're looking at the camera because this is a conversation. You are speaking to the people out there. You're not just being interviewed. So speak to them and it will seem like one-on-one conversation to them, like the eye contact. If you need something like a teleprompter, then put that as close to the camera as possible if you don't have something fancy that puts it right in front of the camera. So that's number four. Video is more engaging. And along with this, it's also more shareable. Because people can engage with video better and it's easier to share it, people are very familiar with sharing YouTube links and they're automatically embedded in sites like Google Plus and Facebook and Twitter and even many Twitter apps will automatically embed the YouTube video so it's more engaging with people and more social. That's number four. Number five, if you have a video show and you put it on YouTube, then you get free quote hosting, unquote, and extra leverage on YouTube. Because YouTube is a social network of its own, I think the quality of YouTube has increased since they've integrated it more closely with Google+. I do like having Google Plus comments on YouTube. If for no other reason, the biggest advantage to this is it's now possible to put URLs in comments. 
So I love this because when people ask questions on my YouTube videos, I can now link them to a specific episode or to a specific uh, recommendation for hardware for them or software instead of having to do really weird things in order to put a hyperlink in their a website and then it's very unusable for them. I can now just put the actual address in there. That alone makes the switch to Google Plus comments much more beneficial. But because YouTube is a social network of its own, posting your videos onto YouTube help you reach a whole new audience with your content. When you upload your videos on YouTube, they also live on YouTube for forever, as far as we can tell, and without any foreseeable hosting expenses. This doesn't mean that they're a podcast host, because they're not, at least right now. You can't download the videos, or your subscribers can't download the videos. There are ways to get an RSS feed for YouTube videos, but that doesn't turn it into a podcast because the videos aren't downloadable through RSS. So it's not a podcast host, but it is still a great free place to host your videos and they stay there forever. Another way that you can leverage YouTube by hosting a video show on YouTube is that it's very easy to monetize your videos on YouTube, much easier than trying to find a sponsor for your show. You just verify your channel and authenticate a couple things and place a check mark on your video and you've got ads and you can get paid from those ads. I get about $15, $20 per month and my videos aren't extremely popular, but that's that's some money. That can, That's a hosting bill. That's coffee or lunch out or something special like that. In fact, look at people like Rhett and Link who are very popular and they have a daily show called Good Mythical Morning. They recently announced that they would be stopping their podcast distribution of the show for a couple reasons. One is that the hosting company they were using is shutting down. I'm not surprised because some of these hosting companies are realizing it's very expensive and they don't have a good business model, so they're shutting that down. That's one reason, so it would cost them a lot to move. But the other reason is that they said they weren't getting any money from their podcast version because they weren't sticking sponsors in their video content. Whereas on YouTube, they don't have to stick sponsors in. YouTube allows them to monetize their content without actual sponsors. They do get sponsors every now and then, but YouTube allows them to monetize it much more. And they're making a lot of money from their YouTube videos. A lot of people out there make a lot of money from the YouTube ads that are on their very, very popular videos. And that's very easy to do on YouTube and leverage that power that you have on YouTube. That's number five, free hosting and leverage on YouTube. Number six, search engine optimization or SEO with YouTube. YouTube is also a search engine. I would say it's the number two search engine, but some people will treat it like number one because they will search YouTube for something before they search Google or whatever their search engine is that they use. So being on YouTube gives you a chance to show up in these searches in another search engine out there. But even looking at just Google, you have the opportunity to be on the first page in Google and in fact, in the first couple results on a Google search results page. For example, if you sign out of Google or else open an incognito or private browsing window and go to Google and search for clean comedy, you will see that I am, uh, with my show, The Ramen Noodle Clean Comedy, I am the second listing for a website. I bounce back and forth between number one and number two, but 
that's because right now, number one happens to be the Wall Street Journal. So that's why they're number one. But I'm there at number two with the Ramen Noodle Clean Comedy Podcast. But yet, I'm not at the top of the page. What's even higher than the website results are the YouTube video results for clean comedy. So being on YouTube, in addition to your own website, gives you the opportunity to stand out above even the number one results in a Google search just by being on YouTube. So you've got so much SEO that you can implement there. Google and many other search engines are starting to love video and prioritize video content in great ways. So that's number six. Number seven is video gives you some great long tail. Long tail is how much your media is consumed over time. With podcasts, you'll see the biggest number of downloads in your first three or four days of releasing. Then after that, it's about the first week or two weeks. And after that, it it tapers out almost nothing. How timeless your content is greatly affects your long tail. Like, look at Mignon Fogarty, better better known as Grammar Girl, has extremely timeless content and a great long tail as a result. A lot of her old episodes are still downloaded very highly today, even though they're many years old. That's because she has such great timeless content. So video is also an opportunity to improve your long tail because video is more shareable and you'll show up in search engines, you are in separate social networks and video has more attention to people. So if you produce timeless content, you may find better long tail for your video than for your audio. I've seen this on some of my own content that I've put out there, that when I put a video edition of a podcast on YouTube, and that is actual video where I'm showing things, not just the audio and not the hacked system, but I'm actually showing things. It is an actual video. I've seen certain videos of mine receive many, many more times the number of downloads or views than the audio version of it. And the video continues to receive more weekly views than the equivalent audio episodes for that same content. So video has great long tail. So again, these seven benefits to video are number one, prominent media players. Number two, easy to communicate visual subjects. Number three, on-screen aids to help accessibility. Number four, engaging and shareable. Number five, free hosting and leverage on YouTube. Number six, search engine optimization or SEO with YouTube. And number seven, great long tail. Now, before you jump into the video side of things, consider some of the disadvantages. I've got four disadvantages for video podcasting. Number one, expensive. Video podcasting is very expensive if you want to do things in high quality. Because in video, the most important things are in this order, your audio, your lighting, and your camera. Because if you have good audio, then people can hear you, which is the core of your content is what you're saying. Good lighting can make up for a bad camera and a decent camera, well, allows you to do some cool things with your video. So in that order, you need to focus first on your audio, then your lighting, then your video quality, your camera. But even if you get the cheap options for each of these, you'll still end up spending many times more for the video than for the audio. Just look at something like the ATR2100 USB. It's $50 or so. 
And you can jump into audio podcasting, have a great sounding audio podcast for only $50. Well, even if you use that exact same microphone for video, which I don't recommend because it's a big microphone, it'll get in the way in video. But even if you use that exact same microphone, now you have to consider lighting. Well, you could work with an open window, then you're subject to the weather and how the sunlight comes in in certain time of day and all of that. But then what about a camera? Well, you could use your smartphone has a pretty good camera on it, but it means you have to have a good smartphone. So the expenses for higher quality video are much higher than doing high quality audio. So that's number one. Number two, complicated production. Editing video is also a lot more complicated than audio because in audio, it's pretty easy to understand things. All you have to do is be able to hear things well. So that is, you don't have to worry about special effects or anything like that. Pretty much just be concerned about very little noise in the background and making sure that your audio levels are pretty even throughout your episode and that they're loud enough too. In video, You need to be concerned with things like color correction, video composition, uh, video codecs for when you save your file, resolutions, frame rates, and much more. Just in working with video files and recording video, you need to know those things. But also, in video, when you're editing things, it becomes more complicated because you can't simply remove every little thing that you don't like in video like you could in audio and it doesn't leave noticeable editing points. But in video, if you remove something, like even if you just remove an um, it means that you're cutting the video and people will see you pop from one location to another on the screen. There are certain ways that you can cover this up, like with B-roll footage or multiple camera shots. And B-roll footage, by the way, is where you're taking some extra relevant video or images and you're putting them in. And what you can do is you can cover up those edit points with B-roll or switch to a different camera. If you watch some of my videos, like of the ElectroVoice RE20 or RE320, link in the show notes for this episode, number 163, then you'll see that I used B-roll footage several times And what you don't know is what's happening behind the B-roll footage where I'm hiding an edit point, but you would never have known that. It just might look cool that, oh yeah, I'm talking about this particular switch on the microphone. And so the camera cuts to show you that switch on the microphone, then it cuts back to me. You may not realize that, ooh, I had a terrible mistake right there, or I bumped the microphone badly, or I had this weird expression on my face, anything like that. So I cover it up with some B-roll footage. So doing this kind of thing makes it a lot more complicated in video production and adding stuff to your screen, any kind of lower thirds or special effects, make your editing time drastically increase. When we talk about stuff like a four to one ratio that it takes four hours of work to produce one hour of good audio content, In video, it's much higher. It's more like eight hours of work to produce one hour of good content, maybe even more than that. And part of that is because video, you have to know everything that's going on in order to add these points, these lower thirds, time these things exactly correctly. And it it just starts getting really complicated. So that's number two, disadvantage, complicated production. Number three, video is hard to consume. Try watching a video while you're driving, mowing the yard, or using some kind of deadly sharp cooking utensils. 
actually don't. <laughs> I want you to stay alive and I want you to have all your fingers, all your toes, all your limbs and them all working properly together. You can't consume video in every circumstance because video requires a lot more attention than audio. In many states, it is now illegal to do something like watch a video while you're driving. But it's not illegal to listen to a podcast while you're driving. Actually, in many states, it's not illegal to wear headphones while you're driving either. But do check your state laws before you make that decision. And this alone, the fact that it takes a lot more attention for video than for audio, is a good reason for keeping internet videos short. Because your audience may not be prepared to make a commitment for an hour or an hour and a half or two hours to watch something on the internet as they are with a movie or TV show. They're prepared to sit down. They're knowing they're going to watch something long. But if they're browsing around on the internet or your latest video pops up, they're going to want to consume it and get back to what they were doing, not spend hours and hours watching it. So it requires a lot more attention. And that means that people can't consume it as frequently as they could. If I'm going to mow the yard, I pick an audio podcast to listen to, not a video podcast. I'm not going to try and watch a video podcast while mowing the yard. So those video podcasts take longer for me to consume because I have to consume them when I can sit down and give them my full attention. So that's number three, hard to consume. Number four, video has smaller support by podcast apps and directories out there. Yes, there are podcast apps like the official app from Apple or Instacast or Downcast, many of these apps that support video and audio. But many of the very popular apps like Stitcher and iHeartRadio and TuneIn, just to name a few, are audio only. And if Pandora ever supports podcasting, it would be audio only. No video whatsoever in these apps. And this does seem like a growing trend. So if you are producing only video podcasts, then you're missing out on this opportunity to reach a very wide audience that prefers these different platforms. And looking at certain things like Apple's recent news of in-car options and many other car manufacturers and services adding new in-car entertainment options, they're most likely going to be audio only in order to support driver safety. So keep these things in mind. The four disadvantages for video are number one, expensive for high quality. Number two, complicated production. Number three, hard to consume. And number four, small support by podcast apps and directories. So check out the show notes for these things and let me know what kind of benefits or disadvantages do you think I missed or do you disagree with? Please comment over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 163. But even if you agree with all of this content, what I really, really want to hear from you, and please go to the show notes for episode 163 to let me know this, I want to know why did you choose your format? Whether you do an audio or a video or both formats, why did you choose that format? And if you publish in both formats, I especially want to know what kind of growth do you see in one format over the other, and how are you distributing those different formats? So please comment on the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 163. 
I've got four announcements to share with you. The Pottertainment magazine has launched and it's now available on iOS platforms. It will soon be available on Android as well. But you can check that out at pottertainment.com. Replace the E-N-T with a P-O-D for pottertainment.com or get the links in the show notes for this episode, number 163. It's really cool. I've got an article in the magazine about three ways you may be hurting your podcast growth. There are other articles in there from Todd Cochran, Rob Walsh, Dave Jackson, Dan Franks. Like there's an uh, article about can you deduct podcast expenses from your tax? That is a great article and so much more great stuff in there. Check it out. That's the Pottertainment magazine that's now launched and will have monthly issues. Please subscribe to it as well. Also, I'm really excited to be talking at a couple conferences coming up. There is the Virtual Business and Faith Building Conference in September. It's an online conference that has sessions throughout the day in many different aspects of faith building and business. And I'm excited to be talking about podcasting at that conference. I have a link in the show notes. And the other conference I'll be speaking at very soon in the Cincinnati area is I'm the keynote speaker at the Mad Anthony Writers Conference. Writers are getting interested in having their own website platforms as well as maybe getting into this podcasting space. So I'll be there as a keynote speaker and presenting several sessions about podcasting and working with WordPress. And lastly, Blueberry now has a special plan that if you're interested in getting their hosting packages so you never have to leave WordPress in order to upload your files, tag your MP3 files, or manage your website hosting and stats, you can then get Blueberry's great hosting plans for podcast media or even just get the great premium stats, which I really like and I think are very valuable. Even at just $5 a month or $50 per year, they're premium stats are fantastic. So you can check them out at Blueberry and use the promo code Noodle and you'll get your first month absolutely free. I'll have a link for all of these announcements in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 163. Please remember to go there to the show notes to get the information that I shared with you. Comment, let me know what you agree and disagree with, but especially why you chose audio or video and what kind of a success that you're seeing in one format versus the other. I would love to hear from you on future content that you'd like me to share on the Audacity to Podcast. Just email feedback at theaudacitypodcast.com or leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. You can also go to theaudacitypodcast.com on your computer or iOS device and send a voice message right through the website. See, I could have just displayed that on the screen instead of speaking that if this was a video show. I'd also love to work with you in one-on-one consulting or have you part of Podcast Masterclass, which just finished and we had a great time. Next class will be coming up in May. Check that out at podcastmasterclass.com. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go podcast with passion, organization, and dialogue. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com. Thank you for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, 
laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Especially check out the new podcast about ABC's TV show, Resurrection, over at resurrectionrevealed.com, hosted by Wayne and Troy. You got to check it out. It's the newest show on the network. I'm excited about it, but we've got so much else going on too that you can find at noodle.mx. The Audacity Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.